Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. We are looking at final words of instruction in our most recent study titled Until the Whole World Hears. This study is a collection of final lessons or messages from Christ and other biblical heroes. Their words are profoundly important because they are among the last words authored for people they loved. This study will remind you to use your life and influence to help others receive the gospel message of Christ. I'm excited to teach these lessons and pray that God will use them to strengthen and inspire you to live your earthly life with God's eternal priorities. Let's get started with this week's lesson. Welcome to Lesson 3. I titled it Vision with Hope because that's what the book of Micah is. Micah is listed as a minor prophet, and chances are you don't hear very many sermons out of the entirety of the book, but it is rich. Some people wonder why should we study a book that was a prophecy to the nation of Israel while it was still intact. And why does that matter to us today? The book of Micah is actually a study of the character of God. And it's one of the best books to know God and know what he wants for this world. And so I look forward to studying the entire book with you. And I think you will enjoy it. Why is Micah called a minor prophet? just because it's short. That is the only difference between what is known as a major prophet or a minor prophet is the length of the book. Micah lived at the same time as Isaiah and Amos. They were all contemporaries in the 8th century and all spoke about the coming judgment of God on the nation of Israel. Remember that the nation of Israel had been divided by families, by sons of Jacob. And while there had been differences between them, they were still one nation. At this time, though, the 10 northern tribes had chosen to separate themselves from the tribes of Judah in the south. They wanted their own king, their own laws, their own prosperity. And in the 8th century, Israel a lot because they had begun to bargain and associate with neighboring nations, Uh, had grown to a place of great prosperity, great comfort, but they'd also compromised what the Lord had taught them to believe. So Micah was from a small town in southern Judah, probably about 20 miles south of Jerusalem, and Micah knew God. He knew his character. He knew what God would tolerate and what God would not tolerate. 
And so when Micah predicted that Samaria would fall, he was saying that the nation of Israel was going to fall. Samaria was the capital city. He refers to Samaria much like I would Washington, D.C. And as the capital goes, so does the rest of the country. But in addition to that, he knew that if God was judging the sins of Israel, he would also judge the same sins in Judah. And so the book contains what's known as three oracles. These are individual messages from God, things God wanted his people to know. They reveal God's message to the current culture of Israel that uh, was a revelation of God's unchanging character for today. Micah's prophecy is a message to some of the very same weaknesses that I see in our own American culture. But God is patient and had been so patient with his people, hoping to show grace to all of them who would repent. But at the same time, God also promised to judge and discipline in order to correct the sins of his people. He's a perfect father. There's always been and there will always be a remnant. Those are often known as, or I should say the remnant is known as those people who walk with God and who remain faithful even when the culture around them does not. So Israel and Judah were strong countries. They were currently enjoying relative peace from their enemies, although Assyria was already making noise about wanting to own this country. Many of the people who lived in Israel were quite prosperous, and many were very poor. One of the things notable about the book of Micah is it occurred at a time when there was really a relative uh, low number of middle class. There were people who either had or they had not. And so while God had been patient waiting and for Israel to return to him, he hated the worship that they had endured and tolerated, the worship of the Canaanite gods. In fact, some of the Jewish people were even participating in that worship. And Assyria as a nation was growing stronger. Meanwhile, Israel was being divided by their own differences into the northern and southern kingdoms. The prophet's messages weren't popular. People didn't want to hear what they were doing wrong. They were enjoying their current lifestyle. They were enjoying the benefits of their life, and they didn't want to hear the prophet's message telling them that it wouldn't last. And so when the book of Micah begins, as we study these words, I want you to pay attention, not just to what Micah is saying, but to why the Lord had him say it. This is not a book of history as much as it is a book of poetry. 
It is a book that reveals God's heart for his people and what he wants for them and what grieves him. And if you'll study this book of Micah and think about that, when we finish these five lessons, you will know God in a more real way in your own life. And so the book of Micah begins, the word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. It's the vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem, the two capitals of the nation of Israel, Samaria being the capital of the northern kingdom, Jerusalem the capital of the southern. And this is the word of the Lord. Hear, you peoples, all of you. Listen, earth, and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you. God's always watching, and he always knows those who are living for him and those who are living against his purpose. And this is a word from the Lord, from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him and the valleys split apart like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. All of this is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the people of Israel. Those words describe God's judgment falling on the nation of Israel, all the sons of Jacob, all 12 tribes. What is Jacob's transgression? Scripture says, is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? The two cities of leadership had turned their focus from being right with God to other things. And as a result, God's presence would be known as he ascended to judge the nation. God's power and authority are not hidden. And so in verse 6, he says, Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of rubble, a place for planting vineyards. I will pour her stones into the valley and lay bare her foundations. All her idols will be broken to pieces. All her temple gifts will be burned with fire. I will destroy all her images since she gathered her gifts from the wages of prostitutes, as the wages of prostitutes, they will again be used. The point God is making, he's going to destroy those things that are destroying the spiritual life of his people, the idols, all of these temples that have been built, these high places were built of stone and wood, and people would worship at these, the false gods. And so all throughout scripture, we see the idea of adultery or prostitution used 
as an illustration for what it means to cheapen the love you have for God. It is to cheapen what it means to be passionate about God. So the point the Lord is making is that you can't compromise God's values in order to gain financial profit, in order to get ahead in the culture. And God would tear down those things that would keep his people from knowing him. The next verses describe what life is going to be like after God allows judgment to fall. He says, the prophet will weep and wail because no one listened. He said, Samaria's plague will spread to Judah, even Jerusalem itself, the place of the holy temple where God dwelt. And Micah then goes on to address several cities. And if you were to look at the next verses and research all of these cities, you would find that they had been established during King David's reign, during the day when the king was right with God and therefore God gave him great victory as he went to take the land and so that it could belong to God and his people, the holy land. And so he talks about what's going to happen to those cities that he had helped David conquer helped David remove from the nations who didn't believe God so that it could belong to God's people. And that now that would reverse. Judgment would come on those very same cities. And the people would mourn because they're unprotected. People, he said, will writhe in pain because they're unprotected. In verse 15, he says, I will bring a conqueror against you who live in Merishath. The nobles of Israel will flee to Adullam. That's the Philistine city that David fled to when he was escaping from King Saul. Micah says, shave your head in mourning for the children in whom you delight. Make yourself as bald as the vulture, for they will go from you into exile. The prophet is warning the people that their kids are going to suffer because of what they've chosen to allow in their country. Their sins would impact everyone's future. But why didn't the people listen to the prophets like Micah and Amos and Isaiah? Why isn't that that people listen to God's word today and sometimes don't want to hear it. There are those of us who teach God's word and warn, just like Jesus did in his Olivet Sermon, there is a heaven and there is a hell. But people don't really want to hear that. Human nature hasn't changed, even though history has. The evidence was clear to people who knew God, what he wanted and what he valued. God's always made his word clear. But current prosperity had led them to become apathetic about their faith. They were comfortable. 
they didn't need much. And so they felt like they didn't really need God. Isn't that still true about our lives? I wish my prayer life was as strong on the good days as it is when I have a great need in my life. Meanwhile, the enemy, Micah said, is growing stronger. And while it wasn't an immediate threat, Micah saying you should be noticing. People were more concerned about their own lives that they didn't really take care of one another anymore. And what does God value? Why should it matter most to us? Because God loves people. And he hates what harms them. Just like any good parent, you hate what hurts your kids. And what God hates is those things that hinder people from knowing him. He hates what keeps them from knowing they need his salvation. But God's always consistent in his word. He upholds his character and his values throughout. What I love teaching about the book of Micah is that truth that is ancient is still truth for God's people today. And so we need to heed what Micah has said, knowing that if God allowed consequences to the nation of Israel, he will certainly allow those same consequences to our nation as well and to every generation. What's our job as God's people, his disciples? God wants us to know his word, even look back at passages in a book of Micah and understand that always from the Garden of Eden forward, the Lord has worked to bring about the forgiveness of sins and to call people into a relationship of faith as our highest priority. We're to love God with all our hearts, but we're also to love others like we love ourselves. Jesus said this to the Jewish people who had believed in him. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What we can know as we study the book of Micah is that there is very little more important in our lives than knowing God and understanding his word. He's always given us what we needed to know in order to walk with him. Micah's words to the 8th century are also Micah's words to God's people today. To know God is to understand his word, why he tells us what he tells us, why he warns us through his prophets that we need to return to a high standard of faith in our lives. Everybody needs forgiveness of our sins in order to be saved. And the very first thing we need to do is recognize we are sinners and need a savior. We want to call people back to our faith with the highest 
of priority, the highest of needs. We want to teach people that we love God with all our hearts so that we can love them as our neighbor. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But I call your attention back to those first words, if, if you abide in my word. I look forward to teaching this book of Micah because it's one of the best books to help you know who God is and what he wants for your lives. There's a man by the name of Stuart Briscoe. His wife, Jill, is one of my heroes. And he has a quote I'd love to share with you. He says, the wrath of God is as pure as the holiness of God. When God is angry, he is perfectly angry. When he is displeased, there is every reason he should be. We tend to think of anger as a sin, but sometimes it is sinful not to be angry. It is unthinkable that God would not be purely and perfectly angry with sin. One of the things I want us to think about as we go through the book of Micah is that we are called to think like God. In fact, when he gave us his Holy Spirit, Scripture says we have been given the mind of Christ. We can think with that pure anger that God had. If he hated what harmed his kids, we should hate it too. If he's angry at that which draws people away from faith in him, we should be angry at those things too. And if we will pray and know his word, we will know how to share his love with the people around us. It's never wrong to want people to truly understand God's word, his truth. But sometimes our message is harsh, a lot like Micah's sounded harsh. So what's so important to remember is that when our message is harsh, we should always be so careful to deliver that message through the love of Jesus Christ. It is our love and compassion that gives us the opportunity to teach the full truth of God's Word. I think you're going to learn a lot from the book of Micah. I look forward to these next lessons ahead. See you then. We are so glad that you're participating in this study of final lessons from Jesus and other biblical heroes. We would love to encourage you to go deeper in your study by downloading our digital workbook. It includes thought-provoking weekly lessons with commentary and questions 
that will allow you to learn far more about the passage and how that passage can impact your life. Simply go to foundationsbiblestudies.org to order your digital workbook today.